Good evening. The Democratic-controlled House returns to Capitol Hill to decide to overturn a presidential veto of a defense spending authorization. In Nashville, Tennessee, there's a continuing investigation concerning the bombing on Christmas morning. And Governor Cuomo announces that uh, it's just not enough money. As he says, evictions will be halted in New York State. With these and other stories, I am Paul DiRienzo with the news for Monday, December 28th, 2020. And the Democrat-controlled House returned to the Capitol Monday to vote on an override of President Donald Trump's veto of the defense policy bill. A vote was expected this evening. If approved by two-thirds of the House and Senate, the override would be the first of Trump's presidency. Further consideration of the veto message of the president on the bill, H.R. 6395. The clerk will report the title of the bill. H.R. 6395, a bill to authorize appropriations for fiscal year 2021 for military activities of the Department of Defense. But the first order of business was an attempt by Democrats to insert President Trump's own request for an increase of stimulus payments from the current $600 per person to $2,000, an amount unpopular with Republicans. But many GOP members owe their jobs to Trump, raising the possibility the hike in payments could pass with a requisite two-thirds majority. The debate is occurring on Capitol Hill at this moment where the total votes right now, they're still waiting. We're still waiting. It's hard to, too early to tell how the vote is going right now on that as we watch the vote going on at this moment in Capitol Hill. The vote comes after a tense weekend where Republicans blasted Trump for threatening to veto the $900 billion stimulus package as President Trump had vetoed the defense bill on Friday. He'll be remembered for chaos and, and misery and erratic behavior if, uh, if he allows this to expire. Speaking in Wilmington, President-elect Joe Biden Biden says his team has faced obstructions from the political leadership at the Defense Department and the Office of Management and Budget as they've sought to gather necessary information to continue the transition of power. On to Joe Biden's comments earlier today. And right now, as our nation is in a period of transition, we need to make sure that nothing is lost in the handoff between administrations. My team needs a clear picture of our force posture around the world and our operations to deter our enemies. We need full visibility into the budget planning underway at the Defense Department and other agencies in order to avoid any window of confusion or catch-up that our adversaries may try to exploit. But as I said from the beginning, we have encountered roadblocks from the political leadership at the Department of Defense and the Office of Management and Budget. Right now, we just aren't getting all the information that we need for the ongoing, outgoing, and from the outgoing administration in key national security areas. It's nothing short, in my view, of irresponsibility. And that's the president-elect earlier today. Biden's remarks came after he was briefed by members of his national security and defense teams and advisors. Biden says agencies critical to our security have incurred enormous damage during President Donald Trump's time in office. And a friendly chat between neighbors, the last reported remark of suspected National Christmas Day bomber Anthony Quinn Warner, the world is never going to forget me, to a neighbor a week before the bombing. The suspect was killed in the blast in downtown Nashville on Christmas morning. The motive is still a mystery. The director of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is David Rausch. He says apparently the bomber didn't want to kill anyone but himself.
when you look at, uh, you know, all the facts at this point, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, the, the, the audio from the vehicle uh, warning people that, that an explosion was uh, imminent, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to clear the area um, certainly gives you that, that, you know, insight that the top possibility was that uh, he had no intention of harming anyone but himself. But, uh, you know, that obviously plays into our investigation. And so, uh, you know, it, it does appear uh, that, that, you know, the intent was more destruction than, uh, than death. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, that's all still speculation at this point uh, as we continue in our investigation. And as a director of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, David Rausch. Shortly before the bombing, Warner had given away another vehicle claiming he had cancer. He'd also gave away his home without the woman in California he gave the deed to even knowing. Cops say they didn't know Warner prior to the blast. A police report showed Warner's only arrest was a 1978 marijuana charge. Sources tell the Associated Press federal agents are examining potential leads and theories, including the possibility that the AT&T building was targeted. Some rumors have claimed Warner was either a so-called 5G paranoid or angry at his father's death after working for the telecommunications giant. Police were responding to a report of shots fired early Sunday when they encountered the RV blaring a warning a bomb would be detonated in 15 minutes. Suddenly, the audio switched to a recording of Tula Clark's 1964 hit, Downtown, shortly before the blast. Officers evacuating residents were knocked down by the blast, but no one was seriously injured. Hours of video footage show no other people besides Warner near the RV before the bomb went off. We're going to move on to the next story, but even the compromised $900 billion stimulus is being deemed insufficient by the very states and localities that the stimulus is trying to help. Governor Andrew Cuomo today blasted the bill as an empty bucket. Three drops of, of water does not a bucket fill. Three drops of water does not a bucket fill. Uh, This bill that they passed in Washington has several relief funds for certain groups and certain functions in this state. Uh, It is three drops of water in a bucket, and the bucket is empty, and the bucket is called a $15 billion state deficit. Uh, So... Uh, it's almost inconsequential. Uh, we have a $15 billion deficit. Well, I gave you X for this and X for this and X for this. Okay, uh, now we have a $14.5 billion deficit. Uh, so uh, what we need to do in terms of rent relief and small business relief and lost revenue from COVID and expenses of COVID vaccination process, uh, this federal government's bill does virtually nothing for us. And the big fight on this bill, where Washington failed, was what was called state and local funding. They dropped that from the bill. And that's what would have provided economic relief to the states and local governments on a meaningful level. Uh, So this is all but insignificant, small grants that they're making, uh, and it comes nowhere near to addressing any of the needs that we're facing or the people of this state are facing. 
Governor Andrew Cuomo, and this just in, the House of Representatives has voted Monday, that is today, to increase COVID-19 relief checks to $2,000, meeting President Donald Trump's demand for bigger payments and sending the bill to the GOP-controlled Senate, where the outcome is uncertain. Democrats led passage 275 to 134, their majority favoring additional assistance. They had settled for a smaller $600 payment in a compromise with Republicans over the big year-end relief bill Trump reluctantly signed into law. The vote divides Republicans who mostly resist more spending, but many House Republicans joined in support despite being wary of bucking the president. Senators are set to return to session Tuesday to consider the measure. Cuomo went on to announce, that's Governor Cuomo, who we just heard a moment ago, went on to announce an executive order extending his statewide ban on evictions until May. Many renters who were facing the uncertainty over rent, due rents and a president who was threatening to end tenant protections had turned to the governor for protection. This is what he had to say. We're going to be extending the housing eviction moratorium by executive order. We are working with the legislature. The legislature is going to reconvene this week. Uh, we've been working with them on a piece of legislation that will also extend the eviction moratorium. We want to make sure that uh, uh, homeowners are protected, that it doesn't affect their credit rating. There's no mortgage foreclosure. The legislature convenes today, uh, and we have an agreement with them on a housing moratorium bill. Uh, we want to get to May 1st, and we'll see what happens by May. Uh, but we want to protect tenants. We want to make it simple. We don't want people evicted. We don't want them to have to go to court to fight the eviction. Uh, but we want to make sure they're not committing fraud either. So uh, they will make representations that will be uh, legally enforceable. Cuomo's announcement came as the state legislature passed a law guaranteeing protections against evictions in the state. At the same time, the governor was creating an executive order to the same purpose. Activists say the law in the legislature that was passed earlier today is uh, was passed with no thanks to the governor. The campaign coordinator of housing justice for all is Sia Weaver. And she says that the governor actually has a history of opposing tenant rights and she claims is in the pockets of real estate interests. Many of us have been unable to pay our rent since March when the economy shut down because of the pandemic. Even for those of us whose income or jobs have maybe come back or started to come back, we're still several, you know, many months behind in rent. So as the state is approaching 2021, we're looking at 10 months of back rent for tenants and 1.4 million New Yorkers are behind on rent. So the eviction crisis that could be caused by this pandemic is massive. Finally, the stimulus bill was, uh, if that's what you want to call it, was signed by the president last night. Mm-hmm. That extends certain rent protections. And there's the governor today saying until May 1st, he's going to protect people from being evicted and stop evictions. Are those the same thing? Are they different things? And then they talked about money, that $1.8 billion, which is a, the president, uh, the governor said was three drops of water, was his uh, quote. Mm-hmm. How does that all relate? The federal aid package is where the billion is coming from. And that federal aid package all in all had $25 billion for New York, but $25 billion for, for rent relief, about $1.8 billion of that for New York. So that's the federal aid package. It's interesting that you say that Cuomo said that he's passing an eviction moratorium today. I suppose he is going to sign the bill. But the reality of eviction moratorium that was negotiated and passed by the state legislature, they're in session right now. And it's a strong protection against 
tenants and homeowners who are facing eviction and foreclosure because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's one of the strongest eviction moratoriums in the country. It just goes to show we shouldn't be relying on the federal government to save us from this crisis. We need our leaders in New York to step up. Was there any chance the governor wouldn't sign it? The governor would not sign it if he was comfortable with 1.5 million New Yorkers losing their homes because of his inaction, but I don't think that he is. What's the problem with the uh, governor of New York State and housing rights? Governor Cuomo is bought and paid for by the real estate industry. Um, They're the biggest donors to his campaign coffers from his beginnings as a homeless specialist for Help USA, an organization he founded, and then working at the Department of Housing and Urban Development as HUD secretary. He's always been quite conservative on the issue of housing rights. Is this something that's going to last past May? Is this going to lead to some change in the way uh, New Yorkers and the way Americans deal with the capitalist nature of housing, which some say is a human right? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Look, we are very, very thankful and happy for this step forward on eviction protections right now. And we are truly fighting to make sure that these temporary eviction protections become permanent. Sia Weaver, campaign coordinator of Housing Justice for All. Others, though, rather than relying on legislation and government aid, say they'll be taking the defense of tenants to the streets. Episcopal priest and housing activist Frank Morales is an organizer for a group based in the Lower East Side called Eviction Watch. The problem's not going to go away in, uh, in one or two months. And so here on the Lower East Side, uh, we're not holding our breath. And, and we believe it's necessary for people to come together and organize in the neighborhoods to prevent these evictions. If the people on the top of the pyramid won't act, then those of us at the bottom have to act. And that's by organizing for direct action blockade of evictions, by creating eviction-free zones, eviction-free blocks and neighborhoods. How to do this? Well, through direct action. Supporting one another where we live through the creation of a rapid response network, an eviction watch network, which is a neighborhood-wide communications linkage among neighbors through various technical means to facilitate the rapid response to the site of an eviction where we will block these evictions by means of nonviolent civil disobedience and other forms of public pressure. Now, you know, it's important, Paul, that tenants don't feel isolated. Tenants are notoriously isolated and know that in numbers there is strength that we're stronger than the landlords and the bankers and their hired goons. We're calling on the NYPD to refuse to carry out and assist marshals in these unjust evictions. The short-term solution to the eviction crisis is for the city, state, and federal authorities to subsidize owners and relieve the debt and thereby cancel the debt to tenants, cancel the rents due. One way here in New York City would be to collect the millions of taxes owed to the New York City by the corporations, these billionaire real estate operations like the Real Estate Board of New York, a big Trump supporter, and utilize those funds to alleviate the pressure on tenants. Uh, declare a moratorium on evictions for at least a year and allow people to get back to their on their feet and keep their homes. Making demands to the rich and well-heeled politicians won't get it done. Only through neighbors coming together and creating communities of self-defense then we hope to force the kinds of policy changes that will benefit the poor and the working classes in the city. Now, lastly, we need to initiate during this period of real alternatives, initiate real discussion on a, literally a revolution in housing that puts the needs of people for a home, the human right to a home, ahead of profits, 
and the fraud of, and theft of rent. They can bail out the banks and bail, or they can bail out the people, redistribute the wealth and stop these evictions now. We're working on this now here on the Lower East Side. Things are beginning to come together in the creation of this eviction watch network. And for folks who are looking for some tips in setting up such an eviction watch network, they can feel free to contact me directly. It's uh, F, F is in Frank and R is in Red and M is in Mary at Panix, P is in Peter, A-N-I-X, like Malcolm X, Panix.com, F-R-M at Panix.com, to organize effectively on the grassroots and not relying on the uh, people at the top of the pyramid to take care of uh, our needs, but ourselves at the bottom of the pyramid to organize where we live. Frank Morales is an Episcopal priest and housing organizer. Throughout the United States, there have been numerous evictions and conflicts between law enforcement and tenant supporters. In Arkansas, a controversial law makes non-payment of rent a criminal offense. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. More people traveled through U.S. airports on Sunday than any other day this pandemic, setting the stage for waves of new infections across the country. The TSA says over 1.28 million people passed through security checkpoints. At the same time, more Americans were hospitalized this past week than any other week of the pandemic. Doctors say mass holiday travel will lead to even more patients, a huge problem because many hospitals are already beyond capacity. A nurse at the University of California at Los Angeles is Marcia Santini. I had the, the best protection that I possibly could have every single day. I wore it, I practiced it, and I still got it. Secondly, this is not over. This is far from over. The vaccines are not going to, um, I mean, yes, they're going to help, but it's going to take a lot of time before we could vaccinate everyone. And we don't necessarily just get vaccinated and it goes away. We have to continue to wear the protective equipment, social distance, and and practice everything that the CDC is recommending um, until we get a a good grip on this virus. And that's going to take months. It's not over. And we can't get relaxed. We can't get lazy. We can't get fatigued about it. We must continue or else we're going to be dealing with this over and over and over again. We are beyond stretched. We have patients in overflow, overflow, overflow areas that were never intended to have COVID patients. We were running low on oxygen, on supplies, on, you know, all the respiratory drugs, definitely beds, um, definitely staff. We don't have enough staff. So we've already, we blew it. I understand how important holidays are. They're just as important for me. I haven't seen my family in months. Our government, again, they blew it also. They could have um, released the Defense Production Act and ramped up the production of PPE and all the other supplies that we need, and they didn't do that. So the whole the whole nation's in a big, big predicament of how we're going to be able to treat patients safely and give them the care that they need. Marcia Santini is a nurse at the University of California at Los Angeles. Several cases of a seemingly more contagious coronavirus variant discovered in the United Kingdom have surfaced in Canada, with some of the confirmed cases located just a four-hour drive from Detroit. Cases of the new variant have not been confirmed in the United States, according to the CDC. Uh, However, the agency noted that viruses have only been sequenced from a small, small 
portion of the total 17 million U.S. cases reported so far. But New York City isn't taking any chances. Mayor Bill de Blasio today announced strict quarantine measures for travelers, especially if they come from the United Kingdom. Coming in from the United Kingdom, uh, we will have a new approach given this new strain we're seeing there. Effective immediately, all travelers, literally every single traveler coming in from the United Kingdom will receive a Department of Health commissioner's order directing them to quarantine. This will be a personal and direct order to every single one of them telling them they must quarantine. And that will be given to all travelers beyond just those, I want to be clear, beyond anyone coming in just from the UK, every traveler who comes into the city that we identify as someone coming into the city or coming back to the city will also receive that Department of Health Commissioner's order. Now, that will go out through certified mail, so it will be going right to where people live, right to where they're staying. It's going to be confirmed they got it, and then people are going to be held responsible for following the quarantine. But specifically for folks coming in from the UK, given that particular concern, we are going to have sheriff's deputies go to the home or the hotel of every single traveler coming in from the UK. So when they arrive at the airport, they're going to have to fill out the form notifying us that they are coming into New York City. Uh, we're going to provide them with that commissioner's order, but then there's going to be a follow-up direct home visit or hotel visit from the sheriff's deputy to confirm that they are following the quarantine, or if they are not, they will be penalized. We cannot take chances with anyone who travels, particularly folks traveling in from the UK. So to everyone, look, if you don't comply with the quarantine, that's a $1,000 fine to begin, day one. If you continue not to comply with the quarantine, it is $1,000 for each additional day. I want to really make sure I'm getting this point across. We don't want to penalize people. Everyone's been through hell this year. We don't want to. But if you don't follow the quarantine, you're endangering everyone else in the city right as we're fighting the second wave. And that's Mayor de Blasio today. In another story, a fraud case has surfaced as some medical providers are being accused of violating vaccine rules. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced today her office is opening an investigation into PAR Care Community Health Network's distribution of COVID-19 vaccines in New York. PAR Care runs clinics in six counties. The clinic in Orange County is being investigated. The other five are in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Governor Cuomo says it's the only business being investigated for vaccine-related fraud in the state at this time. The only organization that we are looking at for possible criminal activity at this point uh, is the organization you mentioned. Uh, the Department of Health is constantly, and the New York State Inspector General is constantly, uh, and the Attorney General's office is constantly looking at organizations and looking at the distribution system. But the only organization that we, that is being investigated for criminal fraud uh, at this time is uh, the organization you mentioned. And as Governor Cuomo, on Sunday, Parker said it had proactively returned its remaining doses of the Moderna vaccine amid the state probe. The House has approved a bill increasing COVID-19 relief checks to $2,000, and that will now go before the United States Senate, who must uh, also pass the bill by a um, supermajority in order to make it law and to increase the funds that people expect to receive to help them through these perilous times. 
And that's some of the news for Monday, December 28th, 2020. The news producer, Linda Perry. Our engineer is Reggie Johnson from New York City for the WBAI News. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening. And we'll be here. Just a final note. I just want to let you go as a, uh, a sort of housekeeping note. You can uh, you can tune in to the WBAI News without fail every weekday evening at 6 p.m. And uh, we are still looking for funding for a new news computer. If you can help us, please send in your end-of-the-year tax-deductible contribution to WBAI Pacifica, 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11217. Please, in the memo of your check, write WBAI News Computer. Again, 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Make your check payable to WBAI slash Pacifica. And please write WBAI News Computer in the note. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Paul DiRienzo.